0: On your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the GirlsPlayFooty.com podcast. Coming up on the third episode of the GirlsPlayFooty.com podcast for 2018, we catch up with Philadelphia Hawks, Erica Saki, Subiaco coach Simon Quayle, the Malaysian Warriors, Hayley Leary, AFL Darling Downs regional manager, Jeff Newman, and host of the Two Crows podcast, Alison Schiller. That's all coming up on the GirlsPlayFooty.com podcast. (laughs) I'm Peter Holden, and welcome to the third episode of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2018, our fourth season of doing these podcasts. And a friendly reminder that this podcast airs as a radio program on RSN Carnival, digital radio in Melbourne, Wednesday evenings at 6pm and then is available on Thursday mornings as a podcast from either Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. And don't forget for all the latest women's footy news to check out our website, girlsplayfooty.com and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And just a quick note that there'll be a round of AFL women's practice matches being played this weekend. It kicks off on Friday night when Collingwood hosts Melbourne at Olympic Park Oval. First bounces at 7.30 p.m., And there'll be a radio stream of that game via the Girls Play Footy Facebook page. On Saturday morning at 10am at the West Connect Centre, Tom Wills Oval up in Sydney, uh, the GWS Giants will host the Brisbane Lions. On Saturday night up in Darwin at TIO Stadium, the Adelaide Crows host the Fremantle Dockers. That game will be live streamed via the AFL Northern Territory website. And at 7pm in Ballarat at Mars Stadium, the Western Bulldogs host Carlton. Free entry for that game as well uh, through Gate 1. All those details are available on our website at girlsplayfooty.com. Our first guest for this week represented the USA Liberty in their tour of Melbourne in August last year. Then just two months later, along with the Philadelphia Hawks teaming up with the Portland Sockeyes, they won Division Two at the USAFL Nationals in San Diego, California. I speak of Erica Saki. It's great to have her on the line. And Erica, like we ask everyone that isn't an Aussie, how did you find Aussie rules football? So my
1: husband, Jay Saki, also plays for the Philadelphia Hawks. And He studied abroad in Melbourne his junior year of college. So when he came back, he joined the team and he said, hey, all these women in Australia are starting to play. You should look into it. I think you'd have a ton of fun. So I started playing with the boys and here I am.
0: Uh, For yourself personally, what was your sporting background before uh, taking up Aussie rules?
1: I played mainly soccer. um, All through, through college and through high school, I also played I cross-country skied, I ran track, I played lacrosse, so I've played all sorts of different sports through my whole career. Uh,
0: During 2017, you had the chance to uh, represent your country as part of the USA uh, Liberty Tour of Australia, which was uh, running parallel with the IC17. What did it mean for you to be, in a way, representing your country, taking on these sides in Melbourne?
1: Um, It meant the world to me. We had such a great time there. We had uh, an amazing reception from the teams in Australia. Um, we just felt so much a part of the footy community there, especially because after every game, um, you know, after, after every meetup, we had these great dinners and drink-ups, and we got to hang out with the girls and meet the coaching staff and say hi to all the fans. Um, and it really meant so much to have the whole community come out and support us. So uh, not only did it, it feel good to represent my country, but it felt great to see how much of a community and how much of a fan base that he has in Australia, especially for women.
0: And I guess it's one thing to explain to an Australian audience that uh, over there in the US, you don't have what we call club rooms or a clubhouse, do you? Where obviously it's a natural part of the Australian game here. That, that's where you socialize after each and every match.
1: No, and that was the best part we usually have to go to a bar or go to someone's house or, you know, drink up at at the field, but just outside. Um, So having a clubhouse to go to and having a fan base already there was just such an amazing experience.
0: And for you, how did you find the standard of football, uh, particularly those that you're playing against, uh, women that essentially get to play uh, 16, 17 times a year uh, compared to yourselves, which 18 a side of football is very rare.
1: Um, we definitely, uh, got our, you know, what's handed to us a fair amount of times. Um, I also found that the, the people we were playing against were in general, much younger than we were. Uh, I think a lot of the women in this country tend to find it a little bit later in life just because of the way sport is structured in the United States. So, um, we definitely had our challenge for us every game, every time we hit the field, So it was really great to be playing against women, number one, that we didn't know because we know essentially everybody in the footy community in the United States. But to be playing against them that have played their whole lives, whether competitive or just, you know, against their their friends or their brothers in the schoolyard uh, was a great challenge.
0: Did you personally feel like your skills improved having this opportunity to play five games within two weeks against Australians?
1: Oh, 100 um, percent. Not only did our skills improve game by game, but we had the opportunity to be coached by some VSL coaches. So we had hands on skill training from VSL professionals, which meant the world to us. And I feel like we just improved vastly indi- individually and as a team throughout the course of our stay.
0: Uh, When you obviously got back to uh, America, you only had two months to prepare until it was time for the USAFL Nationals. Uh, What were your initial thoughts when you found out that uh, your Philadelphia Hawks would be teaming up with the reigning champions, the uh, Portland Sockeyes, to form a team?
1: Um, It was a little bit intimidating, but I knew Jess Fletcher from being in Australia with her and uh, had the opportunity to meet Heather Serpico at Nationals and the whole Portland team was um, incredibly welcoming, and we just gelled together like we'd always been playing together. Uh, and it felt really good to be pretty dominant at Nationals.
0: Indeed, uh, playing along star players like you mentioned in Ble- Blecker and Serpico, and they're Australians as well, including uh, Simone Shepherd and uh, Lucy Parrington.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. I had so much fun pairing up with Lucy in in the midfield. And Simone, even though she, I don't know how many people knew how sick she was during national, she really wasn't feeling well. And she was still such a standout player. Um, So it was um, not only a a pleasure to play with them, but um, to kind of feel what we learned in Australia really coming together on the team, on the field.
0: And what does it mean for the Philadelphia women's program to come away with a medal from the tournament, coming away as champions, assisting the Sockeyes to that Division Two trophy?
1: Uh, it's been a really great recruiting tool. You know, we can we can say in all of our recruitment, um, you know, flyers and and everything that we're doing, which we're really trying to step up recruitment this year, that we have played and been a part of an of a national championship team, and people want to be a part of that. You know, people want to come onto a winning team. So it's um it's been great.
0: And talking about recruiting, how have the numbers been developing over the years at the Philadelphia Hawks for women?
1: So uh I guess you could say they've been growing exponentially, but it's still not that big. It started out with just uh Amy Arendale and myself um in twenty sixteen and then this past summer uh, we got Three other women pretty consistently with, you know, a couple others just expressing interest but not being able to travel. So we're hoping that if each of us recruits at least two or three more, that we're going to continue to grow and, and really develop this team here in Philly.
0: And how helpful has it been to have uh, that Eastern uh, tournament uh, that was started up last year, where um, yourselves, uh, Baltimore, Washington, Boston, New York were playing uh, these kind of like mini tournament games around the Northeast?
1: So I think, you know, again, Australia factors in because we all got pretty close in Australia. You know, I know so many of the women that play and are, are very, um, you know, prominent in the East Coast community so we all enjoy playing together so we've just been sort of hosting games all up and down the east coast and playing whatever we can as a large group um, so i feel like that's been really instrumental i think another huge boost for philadelphia was when uh particularly new york but also you know emily real down in dc um I think it was mainly spearheaded by, you know, Drea Casillas and Christina Licata up in New York came and did a clinic for us and they, they demonstrated tackling and handballs and kicks. And and we got a bunch of women involved in that um, last year. So we're hoping to do something like that again, possibly in North Carolina uh, to try to get a team started there. So we're really trying to grow, not just the numbers on the team, but the numbers,
2: of
0: teams on the East Coast. I guess that's the thing, hasn't it been, for US football that's been a a bit of a disadvantage uh, as opposed to Canada where you've got small little competitions in Toronto and Montreal over. And for the GB Swans, they've had that huge London competition of eight teams now. Um, And I guess you could say with the Irish having Gaelic football is that the teams in the US, you're all spread out, so it's not as easy to have weekly matches
1: true so on the east coast i think we have it a little bit easier than our midwest and west coast colleagues because at least we're all within a day's drive of one another you know boston is about six hours new york is about two hours um we're very fortunate here in philadelphia to be sort of in between new york and dc so we're uh really not super far but it would be nice to have more teams even closer
0: Absolutely. And it's fair to say Philadelphia is a sports-mad town, isn't it? Particularly when you throw in the Eagles, who uh, have made, I think, the AFC or NFC Championship. Uh, then you've also got ice hockey, soccer's going well. Particularly with all of these sports, how hard is it to try and break through the message of the Philadelphia Hawks and Aussie rules in that town?
1: I think it actually helps with the momentum. We have a fundraiser coming up, actually, at a 76ers game. As you know, Ben Simmons is an, is an Aussie. an Australian. He's an Australian. So um, we've sort of teamed up with them to do a fundraiser slash promotional event at the 76ers game this coming Wednesday.
0: Well, cross fingers that all goes well and that uh, it it enables to create uh, interest in Aussie rules football. And hopefully you can teach them as well how to eat a meat pie correctly, because we've seen some vision (laughs) from the 76ers 76ers, and they've gone with a knife and fork for a meat pie. And I think every Australian online is going, mate, what are you doing? (laughs)
1: <laughs> we'll be sure to put that in the demonstration.
0: Absolutely, and one last one before I get you go, uh, let you go, and I guess we should uh, declare it as well. Is that uh, your USAFL media man, uh, uh, Brian Barish, uh, is a player with the Philadelphia Hawks? Uh, didn't play this year, but uh, rumor has it he'll pull on the boots again. Well,
1: we'd always love to have him on the field. He's, um, you know, he's been such such a great support especially for the women's side and you know he came with us down to australia for the liberty so it's always great to hear his voice on the field or off the field
0: and just before i let you go erica if, uh, if people are in the philadelphia area or aussies know of friends that are up that way in the u.s and they want to play aussie rules football for the philadelphia hawks how can they get in touch with the club
1: uh, you can send us an email philadelphia hawks at gmail.com You can find us online at billyhawks.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all over social media. Send us a message. We'd love to have you.
0: Erica, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy and all the very best throughout the 2018 season. All right. Thank you so much, Peter. Take care. Now turning our attention to Western Australia and the WAWFL, no doubt one of the most famous team names in that competition was the Coastal Titans because in their 13 to 14 year existence only once did they miss out on making it to the grand final and won half a dozen or so premierships an extremely successful side that supplied many footballers to the AFLW competition but they are no more the Titans have come under the umbrella now of the Subiaco Lions WAFL club and with that brings a new coach that gentleman's name is Simon Quayle, and he joins us on the line now. Simon, thanks for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. How are you? Great, thanks,
3: Pete, and yeah, good, uh, good to hear from you. and It's great, uh, some interest in the uh, Subiaco Football Club women.
0: It's certainly a big year for Subiaco, isn't it? Um, we haven't mentioned them before on the podcast, simply because this is the first year technically of Subiaco women, but many will know the name Coastal Titans, and it's essentially Subiaco's embrace the Coastal Titans and now take them under their umbrella.
3: Yeah, it's uh, probably the history that I that I know. Yeah, there have been coastal times, but there always has been that really close connection with the Subiaco Football Club, probably since about 2007. And now, this year in particular, it's you know just formalised that process, a bit of rebranding, and everyone at both from a, the men's side and the women's side is uh, super keen to make sure all the all the girls and all the women. Both coaches and players really thrive in the environment.
0: And for yourself, Simon, uh, you spent a number of years in coaching, uh, I believe, at uh, West Perth, filling in various roles over the last five years.
3: Yeah, that's right. I I pretty much come from a, a talent background, from we'll say from the 18s below. I've I've uh, I actually did a bit of work with Subiaco before that as well, in in the same sort of role and. I've been the coaches coordinator for the club for three years. I've been our 16s and Colts, co- uh, Colts assistant coach for a, a number of years. It's been, it's been really good. It's, it's gave me a really good base for, uh, for women's football in particular, you know, because they're still, they're still sort of growing in, in their talents and the need for skill development. So it's a great partnership.
0: And for you personally, what did you want to take on the challenge of coaching women's football?
3: Well, a couple of uh, reasons behind it. I've, I've sort of was encouraged uh, from a from the Subiaco head coach Jarrett Schofield, who's been a really good mentor for myself and and others to to jump on board. And so that was probably number one. the The other side of thing, the other side was really important to me. Is you know, women's football has got such a, a broad range of Players, you know, from a player that just wants to turn up to one night a week training that can't kick, to the to the AFLW player that's also part of this. that that challenge fits me from a personal basis and a and a professional basis so well.
0: Is it more of a challenge coming into a side, um, particularly with all these players coming from Coastal Titans that are used to so much success and always being at the top end, as, as opposed to if you walk into, say, a club that's been at the bottom where everything's a clean slate and there's no expectations? Everyone's expecting this group to always be challenging for the Premiership.
3: Yeah, no, I like that. I like it. I'm, I'm certainly going to be uh, uh, add to the culture already in there. You know, the winning culture, the expectation. I, I want to. Add some professionalism to the, you know, the growth of Subiaco women's football, and I want to add to the growth of these, this group of talented players that that form part of AFLW's across across all the different uh, teams, and and also the the players that are thriving to get involved in that AFLW league. So, yeah, it's there is expectation, but it's a it's a great expectation to have as a, as a coach and a developing coach. So.
0: As you mentioned a little earlier, you've got a variety of players, and those just the kicking the football for the first time, to those that are playing at AFLW level. Uh, considering, like last year, some clubs, in fact, had numbers of over 100, how do you cope trying to manage such that large group and trying to meet everyone's expectations, such as for AFLW players that want to be challenged even further and those that are just still trying to get the basic skills right?
3: Yeah, that's no, a, it's a great point. I think all of us, all coaches, in the women's league, of we face this same issue. I, you know, uh, it's all about building strengths from from all the players. So yes, the AFLW players want to, and and the and the ones that are driving to be AFLWs. A lot of time we put into those players to get them to build on their strength, to bring to to bring to the team what what you know what they want to show and how they're going to do it. But equally, the the developing players so. I'll give you a good example, Pete. A couple of Irish girls rolled up a few weeks ago and uh, never kicked a football in their life. Played Gaelic football, so for for us and and just not me, but the whole team of coaches, our our methodology won't change too much. We want to develop everyone's basic technique for kicking and and where they can improve on their kicking. Uh, there's, you know, there will be a specific coach that will work on the really good players and there will be a specific coach that works on the players that need extra time. So, yeah, we're, we're prepared for all, all types.
0: Uh, you're expecting to have conversations down the road with those, uh, obviously now with Freeman on the AFLW and soon West Coast, who will have a side in the AFLW, about them wanting to know your better players and, and talk to you about developing systems that obviously will be feeding them the players of the future.
3: I would assume, similar to the waffle system with the 18s, and as I said, I was involved in that, uh, that recruiters and various uh, club officials across the board will, will always want to know personally and understand those, the players that, that we have and not just uh, the Subiaco Football Club but across the board in West Australia. And I'll certainly, where appropriate, give as much information to promote these individuals. Because, uh, like anything, they they want to make their they want to get their dreams, make their dreams.
0: And from the testing that you've done early, it's only just the essentially the start of pre-season. What have you seen so far? And and in your mind, what are some of the key areas that you want to focus on first on each individual player to try and to improve? Is it a case of kicking accuracy, marking, tackling, tackling technique? What do you think is your number one priority?
3: I think uh, the number one priority. For our team and probably lots of other teams is holding possession, so that takes uh, the skill of kicking and the improvement on, on the how the ball's dropped, how the leg extends extended, and then applying that knowledge to the pressure of game day. So that's probably one of the paramount things that I'll certainly be bringing in the group of coaches. I reckon things like knowledge and decision making and understanding will develop as Games are played because they're the decisions. You know, they're the uncontrollable, and so you'll you'll learn whether it's by footage or or information or feedback. And so, yeah, there's lots there's lots of things I'd love to jump on and do instantly, but you know, two or three items being kicking being paramount, and uh, and you mentioned tackling. Tackling is really important as well. Will be yeah, but our number one goals as a group going forward.
0: And we spoke uh, just a week or so ago with Champion Data uh, on the release of their new AFLW prospectus. They talked about they'll be providing stats for the various state leagues, including the WAWFL this year. What does that mean for you as a coach, having that information now on hand, which wasn't available before, at least for women's football?
3: Oh, it's so good. It's such a... Stats, you know, you can interpret them how you want to interpret them, but purely from a coach's point of view, you... they you get to use that that information and then provide individual feedback. Uh, you know, for example, if uh, the efficiency of a kick, if it's high at 70%, that means, you know what, there's, it's been working really, uh, that individual's been working really well and look what's happening. There's there's proof in the pudding. Or that we're, as a team, you know, we've increased our marking across the board, which is really, really important. So, I think like the men, Across all the levels in Waffle and in AFL, statistics just help with the growth for the the team and help with the growth for the individual. So yeah, I cannot wait for that, along with eventually footage and lots of other different things that will will make the uh, the whole women's league a bit more professional.
0: Uh, we know here, at least in Victoria, that the AFLW players this year for the state leagues uh, uh, will be limited in the games that they can play. We've been hearing something like they can only play four or five. We haven't heard the official word. That's what's being bandied around at the moment. Has there been anything talked about like that in WA, considering that a of players who are Coastal Titans players are playing at Fremantle? Is there a limitation on the games that they can play to obviously keep them fresh for the national competition?
3: I haven't heard anything about that. But I would assume, barring injury, because I haven't heard anything, they would be available for playing for the, the uh, Subiaco Football. One thing that Subiaco Football Club uh, slash Titans, the, the players from the AFLW downwards love the club and they're prepared to do anything and want to do anything to play with their, their fellow team and making sure that they're committing. So I would think from a player's perspective, uh, barring again, barring some injuries and concerns, that they would want to play. And if that's the case, we'll be playing them. So, yeah, I haven't heard anything. I just know that in my brief yeah. exposure to the to Subiaco Football Club, the, the culture is excellent and they are keen as mustard to play
0: and just on that have some of those uh, AFLW players been down to Subiaco yet to obviously now embrace uh, being the Lions and, and just uh, help out at a few training sessions early on
3: yeah yeah they have they have which is really really good we had a players presentation of sort of an introduction to me and and what I would like to bring to to the to the club and the you know the slight little changes and what I can supplement and complement all the different things like that and I think there was nine that turned up which was excellent work and I think we look at how they commit to the club they're also committing to their uh, to the AFLW in this case the Fremantle so yeah really really pleasing from from all accounts from the players to the coaching staff it's uh, been a really good start.
0: And one just last one before we let you go, Simon, will you be the one of what so far to be predicted is more than 30,000 at uh, Perth Stadium on February 2nd to see the Dockers and the Pies?
3: Can't wait. Looking, looking forward to it, I, I reckon it'll probably be more than 30,000 uh, because not only do we get to w- watch the uh, first women's game uh, in Perth, but equally it'll be the the first opportunity for the new stadium and the new stadium is absolutely awesome. I can, can't imagine how excited the, the girls in particular, the girls from Subiaco football club would be to play in such a magnificent stadium. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely be part of it.
0: Well, Simon, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy and we wish you all the very best throughout the 2018 WAWFL season.
3: No worries. Thanks very much. And any time we're available, it's uh, great to promote women's football.
0: Turning our attention now to Southeast Asia, where this week and for the first time ever, Malaysia will take on Cambodia in a women's Australian football match. Now, the game is made up of a number of expat Aussies, but also players in many other countries, including the locals as well. And to give us a better insight, we've got on the line from the Malaysia Warrior Women Hayley Leary. Hayley, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. So tell us, how did the Malaysian Warrior Women Footy Team come about? Well, it started back June
4: last year. We had um, a post from AFL Asia just asking for more teams to come on board. At that point, there was only Cambodia and Vietnam, and I was sort of at work. I saw the message, and I thought, all right, let's do this. So I sent a few messages out to a Gaelic team I was playing with and also to the Warrior Wives. To any other women that I knew in KL, basically, and said, Who's interested? Let's get a team together so we can go play Cambodia. Um, and straight up, we just got feedback from everyone. Everyone was on board, and then training started. It was just, it was crazy how quick it actually all took place.
0: Yes, we saw some uh, pics on Facebook from training in August, and you've got something like a dozen or more for your first training session. And how many numbers do you have on the books right now?
4: Well, currently on the books, we've got 46 women on our WhatsApp chat. So everything's run by our WhatsApp. Um, obviously, being an expat community, people come and go. So um, every training session, we're at least averaging minimum sort of 12, like you said, a dozen, through to this weekend. We had 23 women down there, which was just unbelievable. It was really exciting.
0: Now, for the women, are most of them based in Kuala Lumpur or is the surrounding areas of Malaysia coming into Kuala Lumpur to play?
4: At this point, majority are based in KL. We do have some players that are out in um, Johor Baru and also um, some people that are linked through the Warriors that live in Singapore and come over as well for our main matches. Um, we've done an inter-club match last year, so we did have everyone come along for that, which was just unbelievable. It was for the Warriors' 25th anniversary um, in 2017, and it was just such an amazing day for the Warriors, so that just being around for the 25 years plus the starting of the women's team, having the kick there. It was a really fun day for
1: everyone.
0: And you're talking about expats. What's the breakdown like between uh, expats playing the game and those for either A, other nations, as you said, Gaelic football, possibly the Irish taking it up, or those that are local to Malaysia?
4: Mm-hmm. Um, so we basically had a mix. So we do have um, quite a few uh, expats that are living in the area. Um, we have locals that have come about. So we put out the, um, our poster onto our um, expat page which then covers locals as well on Facebook and just people finding our Facebook page on, um, just on Facebook and they're coming down. So we're inviting everyone. We're really encouraging locals to get involved because it's just really nice to be involved in the whole community, not just our expat community.
0: And for the locals taking up the game, what's their first impression of this game that we love back home?
4: Well, they come down and they're a bit nervous. Everyone's nervous coming down, even just the women that have been back in Australia and sort of know the sport. It's something that obviously the last few years has just come about really big in Australia. So everyone's learning together. So that's the best thing at this stage. We're all learning together. We're all just wanting to have fun and just get together, a bit of fitness. Um, so the vibe's quite good. Um, we had a new player come this weekend and she was all nervous, but she was massive smiles the entire day. And it's just really fun and it just, Bounces off everyone. Everyone just really enjoys it. Yeah, yeah, like I said, it's unbelievable. It's so exciting.
0: And what's the facilities like that you've got to work with there in Malaysia?
4: Look, at this stage, we um, there is a ground that we use um, for training on weekends. Um, we're at the moment changing over to potentially another ground, which is at um, the local university. Um, so the grounds are much better there, a decent pitch. Um, you know, always looking um, for sort of somewhere better, especially with numbers increasing, um, just to have the better ground and the facilities basically for it. So, it look, it does change um, from time to time, but it all comes down to, you know, at the end of the day, um, money and sponsorship to be able to cover the costs for these grounds um, if we do want to improve the facilities that we use.
0: And what's the thought on the playing season up there in Malaysia? As we know, if we go to the top end of Australia for Darwin with the women's competition, because of the wet season, it will actually run through the summer with uh, obviously taking the winter off. What's the idea for Malaysia, Cambodia, Vietnam? Is it to run it through the summer, the competition, or, or through the winter? Um, look,
4: over here, we started a bit earlier this year purely because um, – we want to do the Australia Day match over in Cambodia. Um, so we've started a bit earlier. Generally, it would start a bit later in March. A lot of, um, because of being expat community, we try to avoid all the main holiday times. So we try to do in between those and capture a good season each go. Um, this year, we've got obviously um, AFL Champs happening and KL will be, Kuala Lumpur will be hosting that in October, which is really exciting for the whole team here to have everyone come visit us here. Um, so we're probably going to train a lot more this year and really put in a lot of effort to put on a massive show for everyone that comes along. Um, but otherwise, yeah, wet season currently at the moment, but we're still out there. with raining on the weekend, and it just adds to the fun, um, especially when there's muddy pitches and lots of tackling, and it's just the women love it. It's, it's really exciting. <laughs> it's really fun to be down there.
0: Of course, as you said, you've only just started up um, late last year and had tremendous growth. Uh, What's the plans going ahead? We know that the next International Cup is about uh, two and a half years away, coming in 2020. Um, Is the idea to have Mm. a, a team of Malaysian locals to play in IC 2020 in Australia or perhaps join with Cambodia and Vietnam and make an Asian team? A bit similar to what the Europeans did this year when they had the European Crusaders.
4: Yeah, definitely. Um, That was really cool that Melbourne had the um, International Cup last year hosting that. Um, Look, it's all quite new at this stage. It would be amazing if we could get to that point, like another couple of years, you never know what could be the case. Um, We're working with AFL Asia at the moment in regards to that, trying to promote more teams even in Asia as such for now. Um, But with more locals that we are finding that are coming down to um, training, you just never know what could happen in the future. And definitely, um, we could add it as a goal for us to try aim for that. Um, everything, yeah, everything's out there for us to try, so
0: why not? As everyone knows for back here in Australia, particularly at grassroots footy, it's always tough to raise the money to get the jumpers, to get your equipment, etc. What's it been like in Malaysia trying to be able to get those resources so you can get your footy jumpers, so you can get up-to-date footballs instead of something that might be patchy or, you know, it's well past its use-by date that, you know, someone just found in their bag?
4: Yeah, definitely. Look, we've been lucky because we've obviously joined on with Malaysian Warriors. Um, they've been around now for 25 years. So they've got um, a good sounding um, sponsorship um, situation here in KL. Um, obviously, always looking for more people to help out, especially with us um, joining on, the Warrior women joining on to them. Um a lot of the time, we are expats majority and we do consider the locals that do get involved and obviously money is always difficult for them, especially with this tour. Um, we're not taking as many locals with us that we would like to because it all does come down to costs and people actually having to cover themselves. Um, so sponsorship is going to be one of the big things we really look at. Um, we've got kits. We had Tribal Sports that jumped on board with AFL Asia. Um, they shouted out to us and have got involved and David Lake at Tribal Sports has helped us out um by organizing kits for us and um we've obviously contributed with that as well this is really nice to have someone to assist us and kind of show us the direction on how we need to go to be an actual decent sheet um team and show up to cambodia looking the part so um yeah massive shout out to david lake at travel Sports. he was really helpful
0: uh, for yourself and the expats playing in the team, um, how many did play the game back home or is just about everyone a newbie just inspired by the new AFL women's competition?
4: Yeah, generally looking at the numbers, everyone's pretty much been newbies. Like there's obviously been background playing um, growing up and things like that with brothers and other family members, um, but as for actual playing, yeah, we're all new at this and that's why we've pretty much put it out there to the whole KL community. We're all learning together. Let's all get on board, just have some fun and um, see what we can do. In saying that, we've found some amazing players, um, like women that have come. We've got, like we've seen before, have come from all over the place. We've got nine different countries representing here in Malaysia for our team. So we've got Australia, New Zealand, America, Canadians, people from UK, Scotland, Ireland, Iran, Philippines, and then our Malaysians as well. So it's a really diverse team. We're meeting so many amazing women. Um, And everyone comes from a different background, but brings so much to the team, and that's what's really what I'm finding really important and really um, positive about our team.
0: And how much is known of your Cambodian opponents that you'll be taking on this Saturday?
4: Look, back in 2016, we went over, um, my husband played with the Malaysian Warriors, and we went over to Champs in Vietnam. And they were hosting um, the first ever AFL Asia Women's Game. And it was just like an exhibition match. And myself and also the co-founder, Tori, um, jumped on board and we joined in one of those teams and we played over there. Um, we met another girl called Hannah, who is the captain for the Cambodian Atlas, who we're going to play against this weekend. Um, and so since then, she was um, a big part in helping us get our teams um, going as well. because We contacted her and said, we need some help, we're really keen to pay you guys, but any advice that you can give us. And she put us on to um their coach, Peter, who has been a massive support um in just giving us little tips on just what had worked for them, what didn't, and how to go forward from there. So um we do know the team. I went over in September as well as my husband, um, just to meet up with them and try to plan a little bit more and um yeah, they're just amazing team. They're really looking forward to having us over. And it's, it's more like a friendly match, really, than a um, rival. So um, it's going to be lots of fun um, on the pitch. And then also our off-field um, adventures in the evening as well. It's going to be good.
0: Now, the game is going to be played in Pyeong Pen. So for those Aussie expats or tourists that might be over there at the moment, uh, when and where can they catch the match this Saturday?
4: Yeah, so it's going to be played at the international school. Um, I will need to confirm exactly the location. Um, but in Phnom Penh, um, it's going to start from 12.30 this Saturday, the 20th of January. Um, details I'll have to give you exactly, but it's at one of the international
0: schools. But just keep an eye on the uh, Malaysian Warrior Women uh, Facebook page and they'll uh, give you all the details. And, yeah, uh, definitely. And if uh, anyone
4: wants to follow us, we're on yeah, we're on Facebook and Instagram.
0: Excellent. And just quickly before I let you go, um, any other games locked in at this stage or at least proposed uh, for uh, for the upcoming months?
4: Um, look, we're trying to get um, Vietnam on board for a potential game. They're in the process of trying to put a team together. Um, then we've obviously, the big one is going to be the end of the year um, for AFL Champs. It's going to be the first time they've done a women's tournament, um, tournament for Champs. So everyone's really excited with going to promote, promote, promote to try and encourage more countries, Asian countries, to get involved. Um, But at this point, we'll probably do a few more inter-club matches um, and, yeah, see where we go from there and who's keen to um, come over and play.
0: Well, Hayley, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy, and we wish you all the very best playing for the Malaysia Warrior Women when you take on Cambodia this Saturday. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Peter. Time to turn our attention to Queensland, where women's footy participation numbers have been skyrocketing over recent years. And one of those areas where it's seen a boom in numbers has been the Darling Downs. We talk about Toowoomba and areas to the north, west and south of it. And it's great to have on the line a gentleman that we spoke to a couple of years ago when he was regional manager at AFL Mackay. He's now back at AFL Darling Downs. It's great to have Jeff Newman on the line. Jeff, how are you?
5: I'm good, thanks, Pete. Good, thanks.
0: I tell you what, things are swimming along, aren't they, for Queensland women's football as a whole? Brisbane Lions making the grand final, uh, participation numbers are past one hundred thousand. It's almost like the Sunshine State can do no wrong.
5: Yeah, we've, we've been been really lucky. We've had a big increase in in competi- uh, competition numbers across the state, and I guess you know that's the, the rapid growth um, of female footy. And, Brisbane Lines AFLW were were a key role in in that, uh, I guess, excitement and growth. So uh, we're seeing some great results here on the Darling
0: Downs. Uh, Particularly if I have a look at the numbers, a big increase for junior girls and youth girls across the Darling Downs.
5: Yeah, we've had a really big year when it comes to uh, to the junior and youth girls space and we're lucky enough to, to ignite a, a brand new junior girls competition for, for sort of 9 to 12 year olds and we had uh, we had four teams participating in it. We probably could have had a fifth team to be honest but uh, we had girls from the primary school sector just wanting to play and I was sort of uh, inspired by the AFLW along with our uh, our youth girls competition, which expanded again this year and it's that year-on-year growth. And uh, it's a credit to the work that's been done in the past and, and what we've been able to capitalise on this year. So I guess we're, uh, yeah, creating a pathway and um, numbers keep coming for us, which is absolutely fantastic.
0: Now, just to give everyone an idea, as much as Toowoomba is the centre of the Darling Downs, and that's about an hour and a half, two-hour drive out of uh, Brisbane, uh, just how expansive is the Darling Downs league, particularly if you were to drive from the furthest point of the competition to the other to play a game
5: yeah definitely geographically we are challenged in, in one of the, the largest regions when it comes to competitions was. so from our most northern clubs South Burnett Saints based up in Kingroy. um Driving all the way down to play a game down in Gundawindi is about a four and a half, five hour one way trip. So it's uh, it's quite the venture for uh, for our teams. And then if you look east to west, we've got a club out in Chichilla, way out in the west. If uh, they drive to our most eastern club, which is the Lockyer Valley, that's about a uh, about a three hour drive. So it's uh, it's quite the uh, quite the size and, and geographically, it's um, yeah, it's a big region.
0: Great news again for the senior women's competition. Uh, five teams now extending to seven for season 2018.
5: Yeah, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And we had our five-team five, five team competition last year, one by the, the three-time premiers of the Twomba Tigers. And, and this year we've, uh, we've had, I guess, traditional darling down the powerhouse of Coolaroo have come into the women's competition and along with the University Cougars as well. So it's, uh, I guess... Of the complete pathway within Toowoomba within and um, it's absolutely fantastic to see these two traditional clubs really jump on board, I guess, the back of the um, success of the AFLW.
0: Can anything be done to stop the run of the Tigers? I know during the season they did get knocked off by uh, the Dolby Swans once, but they've just been running them up with some big scores.
5: Yeah, they've, they've had uh, they've set up a really good system and, and I guess what they've got is a complete pathway. They're part of our youth girls set up and Sort of set up a junior youth and and women's sort of uh, uh, pathway. So it's uh, fingers crossed, and from what I'm hearing, Dolby have recruited really well, and uh, South Burnett Saints, the powerhouse up in King Arroyo, are are coming along. So maybe it'll be the end of the Tigers' reign in in 2018. I guess only time will tell.
0: What's the big picture going forward for the uh, uh, Darling Downs region? Um, How many teams do you hope to expand to at the women's level? And uh, uh, going beyond that, we see that obviously Maroochydore representing the Sunshine Coast is in the Quaffle. Is that maybe something on the cards, a team out of Toowoomba representing the Darling Downs entering the Quaffle one day?
5: Yeah, I guess for the AFL Darling Downs competition, we've, we've got 11 football clubs. And I guess of those 11, we've got seven that have women's teams. So I guess the, the next sort of three to five years, ideally we'd love to have 11 women's teams that match up with our men's competition and then, and then really establish our our youth and, and junior girls um, sort of pathways and, and similar to, to the male side of things. We want we as much content as possible for our players and, you know, in the end, in the long term, if that's a five to ten year plan where there's possibly a, a state league team or um, regular representative appearances, then you know, that's something we going to look at. But I guess at the moment, it's it's really focusing on sustaining the clubs that we do have and then looking at opportunities to grow the game in possibly Chinchilla, um, back out in Gundawindi and, and all through those. So uh, a few opportunities coming up, but uh, it's all about uh, making sure we're the pathway for everyone locally first.
0: For the next couple of years, uh, the Lions have women's football essentially all to themselves, but it's the Civil War come 2020. The Gold Coast Suns will also have a women's team. Is the Darling Downs a Lions region or a Suns region, in your opinion?
5: Yeah, we, we fall under the Brisbane Lions zone so uh, when we come to academy and talent stuff at the moment. So we uh, we feed into to all those various things, but it's definitely going to be an interesting time for, for Queensland footy once we get the two, uh, two women's teams, which will be absolutely fantastic.
0: And uh, what are the hopes for the representative fixture this year for the Darling Downs across uh, youth girls and senior women's football?
5: Yeah, we've got a, um, quite a, a full uh, representative calendar for, for our youth space for the, for the under-17s, 14s and 12s. Uh, uh, we've also got our, uh, I guess, happens every second year, we, we play against AFL Wide Bay in a fixture as well. So uh, that's where we're, at, we're looking at this year. And um, it's, it's going to be a pretty full-on full year, especially with seven teams in the women's competition and, and a representative opportunity against the, in an interleague game and, and a few other little bits and pieces. So, uh, yeah, very exciting time and opportunity for, I guess, darling the players to, to show their skills and, you know, hopefully follow in the footsteps of, of the previously drafted uh, Shalise Moore and uh, Delissa Kimmins from the region.
0: Well, Jeff, thank you very much for joining us here on uh, Girls Play Footy, and we wish you all the very best in uh, running the AFL Darling Downs Women's Competitions for Season 2018. All right,
5: thanks, Peter.
0: You're listening to Girls Play Footy on digital radio in Melbourne via RSN Carnival, and on podcast via Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud when you search for Girls Play Footy. I'm Peter Holden. To our final interview for this week, we're catching up with one of our regular SA reporters from last year. She's host of the Two Crows podcast and she's going to give us an insight into some of the players that the Crows did pick up in the draft late last year and how Adelaide is going to go in season 2018. It's great to have on the line Alison Schiller and Ali, I do have to ask you straight off the bat, how is the Two Crows podcast going? Are you just about up and ready to go for the new AFLW season?
2: Yes, it's coming back quite shortly. We've um, had uh, an issue with the, uh, the, the RSS feed and everything else, the provider we use, so we've had to change that. So we will be releasing some more tweets with regards to how you can access that. But we will be back bigger and brighter than ever in the 2018 season.
0: Now, we were going to talk about the new recruits that you've got for season 2018 and how you think the Crows are going to go, but one important mm-hmm. piece of news already, a retirement announcement from Erin Phillips.
2: Yeah, they, they, they get people in Victoria too excited and they're from Australia there, but this is actually to do with Erin with um, all basketball. As most people are probably aware, her dream didn't quite finish the way she intended. And she wanted to have another shot at the Commonwealth Games in April up at the Gold Coast. But sadly, the door's been shut on there. And um, as per the player's voice, there was a comment from her in an article that she said, you know those stories where an athlete announces their retirement and rides off into the sunset, happy and content with how it all finished? Well, this isn't one of them. So it's time for me to close the door on my career as a basketball player. It's been the most incredible journey, but it wasn't the ending I'd hoped for. So sadly for Erin, she's had to make the choice uh, between basketball, pardon me, basketball and football, which, you know, if she wanted to play, she was given the, she would have had to have missed training for the Crows and she also would have had to have missed a whole game for the Crows as well, which to be considered to play and she decided to pull the pin and so she can just solely focus on playing AFLW, which As
0: sad as it is for her, all the better for us football-loving people. So that's the co-captain of the Adelaide Crows. Let's talk about the new recruits that will be joining her in uh, 2018. One of the standouts and uh, obviously impressed uh, champion Data as well, who uh, kept the track of the under-18s championships last year and impressed you Mm -hmm. at Salisbury is Jessica Mm -hmm. Allen. She was picked up as their first pick and pick eight overall in the draft.
2: Oh, uh, I'm super excited for her. And as we thought, she'd probably be the one that would pick, get picked first. And she earned that as well. So she's a rock, 185 centimetres. And she actually finished, uh, she won the vertical running jump test and was sixth in the 20-metre sprint in the draft combine as well. So she also fulfills the knees. I watched her at we play both back and forward. So she can fill a gap in there as well, which I'd been screaming out for the pros to add a bit of height. Um, down there at both ends of the ground as well. So I'm super pumped. And she gets to join her sister Sarah at the Crows as well. So very happy to see Jess come along board to the Crows.
0: Uh, Pick 16, which was the second pick overall for Adelaide, uh, they picked up someone Mm -hmm. from the Northern Territory, from the St Mary's Football Club. They picked up Jasmine Hewitt.
2: Yes. So Jasmine's a newcomer, and she actually comes from originally Stirling North, uh, up near Port Augusta there. So she's 23, utility ruck, and a 184 centimetres. Um, she's just an all-round fitness freak. She ranked inside the top 10 in all six physical tests at the combine, including second placings in the yo-yo, vertical jump, and two-kilometre time trial. Not bad for someone that's actually quite new um, to football. So I'm actually really excited to see what she can add with her athleticism uh, for the close.
0: Pick 24, which was pick three overall for Adelaide, was Eloise Jones out of Morfordville Park.
2: Yes, Morfordville well, and also down at Glenelg, Eloise Jones. She has had a brilliant 2017 uh, campaign under 18 All-Australian team and highly skilled midfielder and dangerous around goal. She turned down a college scholarship in America and, um, as for basketball, to focus on her dreams of playing AFLW, which she now has. She is as tough as I've come. I've been lucky to watch Eloise play. And she gets into it like she'll be someone, a midfielder forward, that the Crows would absolutely love. Considering we've got a gap there um, taken uh, away. Now, I've just they've <laughs> left the Crows. But her name escapes me, Kelly Gibson, that's it. Kelly Gibson uh, moving back to their That's actually created quite a gap. So we've got a few players vying for that position.
0: Pick thirty-two in the draft, which was the fourth pick overall for Adelaide. I hope I pronounced the name correctly. Mariana Ratchich from Norwood.
2: Mariana Ratchich. Yep. Um, so from Norwood, another reasonably newcomer. She actually played uh, soccer, and she was a Adelaide United uh, player. Now there's actually three Adelaide United players or former players playing for the Crows and one of them is coming up in a minute but also Jenna McCormick so Mariana has actually had three ACLs but on debut in her first game at Norwood she was named best on ground so not bad skills and to have up your sleeve as a midfielder half forward so she's 28 so I think with her breadth of experience as well in other sports I'll be very interested to see the speed and that she can bring to the game
0: from Pick 38, which is the fifth pick overall for the Adelaide Crows. They went with the Premiership footballer Ruth Wallace out of Adelaide Uni.
2: Oh, you know how happy I was that young Ruthie got picked up there. So, BOG and the GF are one of my absolute favourites. to the heart forward. Uh, Tough as they come. Crafty goal kicker. Can kick him on the left. Can kick him on the right. And she was the other Adelaide United soccer player as well there with Ratchick and McCormick. So... She's also, um, I think I've probably mentioned before, she did the New York Marathon in 2014 and also recorded the ninth best result for the yo-yo test in the draft combine. So she is will be another one of those players vying for that position, um, sneaking up, trying to kick some goals. So I'm backing her in all the way.
0: I can't help it. Every time I hear about the yo-yo test, I keep thinking back to the 80s and the uh, the old tricks yeah, of walk the dog <laughs> and all of that, that cola. yo-yo. I <laughs> know, <laughs> oh, you're sitting there
2: going, take the collar in one hand, can you rock the cradle? Like What <laughs> type of things are they teaching these players these days? <laughs> the, sixth,
0: <laughs> the sixth pick for the Adelaide Crows, which was pick 42 in the draft, for Rhiann Lug coming out of the New South Wales Riverina. Yes. So this is one
2: player that I hadn't actually seen or even heard a lot of. But to show her pedigree, she was a premiership player with Swan Districts alongside Chelsea Randall. Um, she has been in the Army, and I absolutely—I think she absolutely knocked it out of the park in the, um, the time trials as well over here. And I'm really keen to see the toughness that she can bring along to it. If anyone that's played alongside Chelsea uh, gets a big tick from me.
0: Uh, looking to the rookie draft, uh, the Crows managed to pick mm-hmm. up uh, Callista Boyd um, out of the mm-hmm. uh, Northern Territory and uh, Brianna Walling, eighteen-year-old uh, mm-hmm. small forward.
2: Yeah, um, absolutely excited. If you've, I don't know if anyone's had a look at the footage of Callista Boyd, but her raw uh, prowess and skills. If the Crows can hone this and she gets her chance and the opportunity, I think she could really carve it up. Being one hundred and fifty-seven centimeters. So she's a speedy small forward, can kick a goal, and she was actually introduced to football by uh, Crows Joint Vice Captain Sally Riley after moving to Darwin. So her potential is, is another one of those ones, guys the limit. But I would really like to see her get a go in the trial coming up um, on Saturday. Yeah. And as for – I was going to say, sorry, yeah? No, you go ahead. I was just going to mention Brianna. I've seen her play. And um, she's as tough as they come as well. Electric pace, strong skills. Um, I'm really glad she got picked up by the Crows because she's really earned it. She's another Morphe girl, another Slash Glamel, and she played in the Under-18 Championships uh, as well. So very promising midfielder, uh, Brianna. So really happy for her as well. And, of course, the existing Bacara Palmer um, that the Crows picked up earlier in the piece as well. So I welcome all the girls on board, and I can't wait to see their skills on the show.
0: Interesting to see that uh, this year for the Adelaide Crows for Home Grounds are uh, barring the game up in Darwin. Uh, when the fixture mm-hmm. came out, uh, they've said goodbye to and Oval and they're going to go mm-hmm. full-time with Norwood.
2: Yes. Um, and for someone that lives out in the northeast areas, which means Norwood Oval is 20 minutes away from me, I'm all for that. But to be honest, you've got so much more facilities and uh, around Norwood and the ground, I went to a game there last year, and I've been to Febby Oval as well. Nothing against the Febby Oval itself, but heart of Norwood. Um, the game is absolutely packed out. It, it's a great family atmosphere down at Norwood, and they should be really proud of it there. So I'm really happy for them to be played in one spot and give the girls some consistency as
0: well. So the Adelaide Crows and the Fremantle Dockers again meet in a practice game as they did last year. And no one would have predicted it last mm-hmm. year, Um, but essentially they go into this practice game as the Premier versus the team that finished second last.
2: Yeah, and I think um, at the beginning of last year, everyone would have predicted that to be the other way around. The Freo were hot favourites, and the Crows, well, they weren't even rating a mention. So, but a year is a long time in football, and it will be very interesting to see. Obviously, this is a trial, but um, it'd be very interesting to see where both clubs are at, and who actually gets on the park? Does it Aaron Phillips get the trot out there, Chelsea, and how many of the new young ones get a run out there, which I'm really keen to see.
0: And I'll put you on the spot as well. You're of course are naturally anticipating for the Crows to go back to back. Who do you think is your <laughs> Who do you think is your challenger, though? Who do you think you will meet oh. in the and the last day of AFLW? Oh, that is a
2: that's a big ice to go back to back with that. Um, I'll take it, but I, I think there'll be a lot more challenges this year. The AFL, everyone thinks to pumping up the young Bulldogs, but I think some of the teams, your GWSs and your that the ones that didn't quite get off the ground last year, might be ones to make them move forward and, and still don't underestimate the, the line. I think they've, um, although they might have lost the players down there to count, um, I'm really happy with the pet players that they picked up there as well, so... I think they'll be still an interesting one to watch, and um, just as you mentioned the other teams, I will have to have my foot in a few camps. Uh, one of my favourites, Sophie Lee, was picked up by Carlton, and also Courtney Gum uh, was picked up by GWS, and Tate Mackerel has also gone off to GWS as a rookie. So I'll be sort of, you know, having each way bets when those teams are playing as well.
0: Well, Ali, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. Of course, people can look online for the Twos Crows podcast, which is coming out very shortly. And we look forward to catching up with you once SandFall W kicks off in a few weeks' time.
2: Excellent. Thank you very much for having me, Peter. Looking forward to a
0: great season. Well, just about time for me to wrap things up. Thanks very much for tuning in for yet another edition of Girls Play Footy. We produce this show every week, and it airs on RSN Carnival Digital Radio in Melbourne, 6pm Wednesday evenings, and is available from Thursday mornings by going to Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud and searching for Girls Play Footy. Don't forget, for all the latest women's footy news, just go to girlsplayfooty.com and give us a follow on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, I'm Peter Holden, and it's bye for now.